When you read the Gospels, you occasionally encounter Jesus condemning the behavior and attitudes of those he encountered. But you'll also notice that Jesus' strongest condemnation was reserved for the religious leaders and the teachers. If those who teach others are leading them away from Jesus rather than to him, they are actively engaging in evil. Stephen looks at one of those rebukes in this lesson called The Final Sermon of Jesus. If you've ever heard some old faithful pastor deliver his his final sermon, his farewell sermon, and I've heard a few over the years, it's usually encouraging and uplifting and challenging. It's going to be remembered and cherished long after. Well, Uh, You better buckle up today because Jesus is about to deliver his final public sermon, and it's going to be long remembered by those who hear it. It's a powerful message. In fact, it's it's a warning of coming judgment. Jesus is going to preach it now in the temple court. This is where he's handled all those little tricky, devious questions and challenges from Pharisees and scribes and Herodians and, and Sadducees. Well, now we're in Matthew chapter 23, and he concludes his time of teaching in the temple, and he's going to deliver this message, and it begins here in verse 2. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do, for they preach, but do not practice. Jesus says they're sitting in the seat of Moses, that means they're teaching the law of Moses, the commands they teach. They ought to be observed, but these teachers are not themselves personally living by them. I remember listening to a man preach on the radio a long time ago, a best-selling author. He had traveled the world. He held audiences spellbound. It was only after he died that it was proved he had mistresses in several different countries where he traveled. He wasn't practicing what he was preaching Years ago, my wife and I were in Vienna, Austria, and we were there doing some ministry. We were also touring, and and part of our tour was this beautiful mansion and grounds of a Catholic bishop that had lived centuries earlier. The guide told us that this bishop lived there with his mistress and their children. Well, these men that Jesus describes here holding positions of honor are just like those men. They are preaching, but they aren't practicing. Now, Jesus describes here how these religious hypocrites love to put on their followers all of these burdens, traditions, and rules, and and they won't bear them themselves. That's verse 4. He says all they really want is attention for themselves. That's verse 5. They they want the places of honor in in public, verse 6. Six. Then verse 7, they love to be addressed with all of these special titles. They love titles. I remember years ago receiving an honorary doctorate. It was a very kind gesture, but it made my head swell up. I finally took that diploma down and put it in the closet and removed the title doctor 
uh, from any books or literature that would be published since that time. In fact, I, I kind of agree with an old preacher I heard one time who said that an honorary doctorate is like putting whipped cream on an onion. Well, I'm an onion, and whipped cream didn't do me any good at all. Jesus says here in verse 9, And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Now, Jesus isn't referring to your biological father, but to a spiritual leader. Don't call him father. Frankly, let's be reminded we're all ordinary clay pots into whom the glorious gospel has been poured, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Now, along the same line, Jesus reminds them here in verse 11, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Now, I I imagine the scribes and Pharisees are standing here seething with anger as Jesus is basically warning the people about them. But they haven't really heard anything yet. Jesus now begins to address uh, directly with this series of woes, these Pharisees. Now, a woe is essentially a pronouncement of judgment. It's not vindictive. It's not spiteful, but it is a very severe warning. And there are seven woes here, and each one gives a reason for it. Keep in mind now that Jesus is describing the scribes and Pharisees as a whole. Some some are, in fact, sincere. Some are actually seeking the truth about Jesus. And some are going to come to faith later on. So he's, he's speaking to them as a group. He begins here in verse 13. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. In other words, your rejection of Christ is bad enough, but you're leading others to reject the Lord as well. The second woe here in verse 15 is related to their pursuit of making new converts. Jesus says that their converts actually become children of hell. What that means is they are more lost than ever by following the Pharisees. Now in the third woe here in verse 16, Jesus calls these religious leaders blind guides who make all kinds of pious sounding vows or oaths, but they they don't mean any of it. They, they find convenient ways, in fact, to break their, their promises whenever they want to. Well, woe number four here in verse 23, uh, Jesus says, You tithe mint and dill and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. This here is, is sarcastic humor. Jesus is saying, here you are, you know, counting out your little tiny dill seeds so that you can tithe one out of every ten, yet you're ignoring these massive, important matters of integrity and justice. As Jesus puts it here in verse 24, they, they try to avoid swallowing a little gnat, but then they swallow a camel. In other words, they're focusing on minor little things, and they're minimizing major things. Now, the fifth woe that begins here in verse 25 and the sixth woe in verse 27 emphasize hypocrisy again. Jesus says that they're like a cup that appears clean uh, on the outside, but it's filthy 
on the inside. Nobody, nobody does that. You know, I drink coffee just about every morning, and if that bothers you, I hope you get over it uh, soon. But I, I'd never leave coffee in my cup from yesterday and just clean and, and wipe the outside of the cup. Now, a clean cup is both outside and inside. Well, Jesus goes on to say that these religious leaders are, are like whitewashed tombs. They, they clean the headstones. They, they attempt to hide the death that is on the inside. So he says here in verse 28, you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within, on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Well, now the seventh and final woe highlights the same kind of hypocrisy, just a different illustration. These religious leaders built beautiful tombs for prophets whom their ancestors had killed, martyred. And Jesus says to them here that they share the same killer instinct of their forefathers. They're they're even now plotting to kill the prophet Jesus. Well, Jesus hammers down the verdict here in verse 33. You serpents, you brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Wow. I'll tell you, beloved, I can't imagine any stronger words from Jesus than these. Now, this stirring, convicting message is going to be followed by two two incidents. First, here in verse 37, Jesus now laments over Jerusalem. He, he weeps over the nation Israel. He grieves that judgment is, is coming. And he concludes by saying here in verse 39, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And let me tell you, that's a little ray of hope for Israel. God will not abandon them entirely. The Bible tells us that one day the nation will welcome Jesus back when he returns at his second coming to establish his millennial kingdom. Now, there's one more brief scene recorded in both Mark and Luke's gospel accounts while Jesus is still out there in the temple court. He's evidently taken a seat, and he's watching people put money into the temple offering boxes. Mark records in chapter 12 and verse 42 that a a poor widow comes over there, and she puts in two small copper coins. Now, this amounted to one penny or one cent. And Jesus says to his disciples here in verse 43, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had. So here's a woman now who stands in a rather vivid contrast to those hypocrites. She's not putting on a show for others. She has no idea the Lord of the universe is watching her. There's no hypocrisy here. There's just simple, honest, sacrificial worship of her Lord. It's as if to say at the end of this message, Jesus is encouraging us, be like her. Be, be less like those religious leaders who, who want to exalt their, their name. No, exalt the name of Christ. Exalt his name today, wherever you live, to bring him glory and honor. Well, until we set sail again, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us today on this wisdom journey. Stephen Davey called this lesson the final sermon of Jesus. If you'd like to go back and listen to any of the previous lessons on this journey through the Bible, you'll find them online. You can visit our website, wisdomonline.org, to access the archive of this series and all of Stephen's Bible teaching. There are full-length sermons, sermon manuscripts, devotionals, articles, and much more. This Wisdom Journey also has a video version. The videos are posted on our website, on our smartphone app, and you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. All that to say that we have an extensive collection of biblically faithful resources to help you grow in your faith. Access all of it at wisdomonline.org and join us back here next time.